Okay. Hello and welcome to Rick Radio Community News Desk, episode 47. I'm Mick Hanley. Later in the programme, we talk with Brian Kirk from Dublin City Council about the new proposals for the area around Ringsend Library. But first, well, joining us now is comedian Danny O'Brien, who along with his work as a comedian has also emceed many events here in Ringsend Irish Town Community Centre. Danny, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's great good. to be back in Ringer. Good to have you back and Happy New Year to you. Um, before we go into 2023, um, I just, for our listeners, just want to find out where did it all start for Danny O'Brien as a comedian? Uh, I, well, before we even get into Rings End, um, in our last recession, because the other one is on your, at the corner, I think, uh, in about 2007, I'd been in Australia uh, working backpacking. I, I went to go away for six months, ended up away for three years, and I was working in bars and, you know, digging concrete, whatever, and travelling around. And then I came back to Dublin at the worst possible time I could ever have come back. I was back about two weeks. And I, I didn't have a car out. And I remember driving my mum's car and all I heard in the radio was that uh, Ireland has now entered the greatest economic recession in the history of the state. <laughs> and I remember going, because I was making like all right money in Australia, I was having a good time. Yeah. And it was grim. Like unemployment flew up to 15% and, you know, everyone was like losing houses and, you know, everyone remembers it. And I was lucky enough, I, I had a job in a pub that I used to work in for years up on Lower Mount Street it's closed now called Scruffy Murphy's which I'm sure a few of your listeners may have no. uh, crossed that door over the years uh, around the corner from Oilcan Harry's and I was, so I was lucky to even have a job but it was still there was a it was a grimness going back to a job you you know done years before and I was just going what am I going to do with myself I was going to move to London uh, there was just nothing do you know what I mean there was no opportunities for anything and I was just going to move to London and maybe work in construction. It wasn't something I wanted to do, do but the yeah, money was yeah. all right in Australia. It's like yeah. my uncle worked in it in the UK and I'm like, oh, I might go to London. And then um, I, was do- I was doing loads of stuff, like bits and pieces, odd jobs, painting, you know, just whatever. And then my mother actually said it to me. She's like, you know, you're not happy. You know, you should either go traveling or do something that you're into because you're just kind of tipping away here. And she found a writing course that you could do uh, in Doyle's pub. And it was like a, a writing for comedy type thing. And I've always been interested in comedy, but I grew up in Wicklow. There was no comedy clubs. There was no, do you know what yeah, I mean? The, yeah. I did a couple of like plays in school, but it was as, as amateur as anything could possibly be. And I, I think I'd honestly only been to about maybe four or five comedy gigs in my whole life. And most of them were in Australia. I went to see Dylan Moore in Australia. You know, I think I'd seen Des Bishop and a few others. So I did this writing course. And at the end of it, you had a, you had an option to do a stand-up set. And I did it, and no, I couldn't even watch that back now. I cringe so much, you know what I mean? Like, but it still went really good. And yeah. considering for a first gig, and I, I just loved it. Um, I was super nervous beforehand, like panic attacks, like brown paper bag out the side of Doyle's, sitting outside. <laughs> um, had about four points just because I was absolutely rattled. Um, and I, the second gig I did then was like in Barry's Hotel, which was up over on the north side. And that was awful. Like, there was six people at it, and I died on my arse. And then the third gig was in the Battle of the Axe in the Haypenny, which is kind of a legendary little comedy competition where you win a little lucky rubber duck. Like, that's it. It's a stupid thing. You get a little piece of paper. But I won it. And after that, it was just, that was it for me. I was just kind of in. And I then spent years still working. Like, I moved into doing youth work and social care, which is something I'm now kind of involved in again in comedy. That's kind of yeah. come full circle yeah. through workshops and stuff like that. And, you know, you don't make any money in comedy for the first few years, same as a musician or anything, so you're just gigging. I remember driving to Middleton and Cork 
to do a seven minute set unpaid. Do you know what I mean? Like, and then flying, going, flying yeah. over to England yeah. on Ryanair's, sleeping on couches, just did that for years. And then you start getting better spots. Then you'd start getting full weekends. Then I got into the laughter lounge uh, and it just, it just builds. It's like anything. It was nearly 14 years ago now. So it's, uh, and you're still, it's, it's still work, but I, I love it. Like, you know what I mean? And I love the crack and especially down here, the amount of people that I've met through the, the TV show we made in our rally house. And that was a pandemic thing that just happened because of, you know, it was just the way it was. Um, but I think the, the way you get to meet people and connect with people through comedy and through gigs is what I love the most about it. Like I love the gig itself, but you kind of make so many friends and memories with random people that you would never meet in any other way, you know? I just did a load of gigs in Mexico and Central America, like, you know, and yeah. other comics and stuff will really look after you when you go to different countries. So, yeah, it's it's good crack. It's it's a lot of work, but it's good crack. It, it sounds, uh, when you said that about the, the six people, you know, like, <laughs> it stands up in front of them and that kind of thing. Um, that's quite difficult and like it never put you off or anything like that is, is it the case oh, that you yeah. have to stick with it you have to stick with it and yeah, I, yeah. It, it is horrible and the one thing I do say as well is you never learn anything from the good gigs ever you know what I mean if you have an absolute ripper of a gig you learn nothing you're not coming away from that gig any better as a comic than when you went into it it's only those bad gigs that you really learn from like even down here, we were doing like gigs in a pop up tent during COVID, and the wind is blowing, and <laughs> people are locked. They haven't been out of their house for two, you know, for a yeah, year. Yeah. And um, you know, I do school workshops, and even the Christmas gigs this year, all through December in Dublin, were absolutely bananas because people hadn't really been out for two years, and people were just in. Like anyone who's listening to this who saw Dublin City over December, I don't need to explain to you yeah. how chaotic. Packed. So you can only imagine what it was like being on stage trying to entertain people and it was it was just all picture and no sound you know what I mean without a doubt you mentioned um, Central America yeah um, and you were over there recently I, think, I was wasn't it? And, and that tell us a little bit about that and how that all came about a pal when I made when we made the lockdown <coughs> excuse me special <coughs> in our rally house the weather started getting worse as we headed into winter so we couldn't do outdoor gigs anymore and then my friend who I worked with in New York nearly 20 years ago when I was like a kid, I used to work with him in a, no, a nightclub owned by an Irish fella. And uh, I actually can't tell you his name because he's in jail now. So it wasn't exactly, <laughs> wasn't, turns out he wasn't the, it wasn't the straight businessman, but we were, we were working in this, in this nightclub bar over there. And um, not strictly legal, let's just say. And uh, so my mate ended up marrying a Guatemalan and he moved to Guatemala and he's had an Irish pub there for years. And he was always at me, come over, come over, come over. And then during COVID, he said, Danny, uh, do you want to come over and do some outdoor gigs here? The weather's nicer. Yeah, he says, yeah. COVID's not anywhere as strict as it is in Ireland. So I just figured out a way to get there. I had to go to Belfast, fight Belfast, London, London, Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Mexico, Mexico, Guatemala. <laughs> it was just like, took me about some three trip. days. Yeah. And I just loved them. And I, do you know what? The people I met in Guatemala are so similar to like the people I met in Rings End, just super sound like working class sound people and they would just do anything for you like you know what i mean and i just had so much crack we donated the money like we didn't charge much for the gigs because like you know people don't have the money to be spending yeah, yeah. Or whatever but whatever we did get we donated to like a local school which i'm still involved in now so this trip we were able to do i think we raised about a thousand us dollars something oh, like that's that. Great. Yeah, that, yeah. that money was able to pay for a party for 66 kids in my uh, a school ran by an Irish fella called the Integral Heart Foundation uh, a week shopping for 44 of their families and it put a new roof on the school 
Oh, fabulous. And that, like, for yeah. one gig, yeah. I was, now the gig was chaos because my mates all disorganized <laughs> and it was outside in an Irish pub, but you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. I, that, that's the kind of thing you love and the memories you like having. And, and Rings End's right like that for me as well. Like, you, you're connected to that community then forever, you know? And during COVID, how bad was COVID for you, kind of thing? Because the entertainment business really just I, sank in my, many ways. My, 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 my diary got wiped. Yeah. And, but, yeah. like, people think, ah, oh, you know, they were just gigs you've booked. But some of those gigs took 10 years to get. Like one of them was a tour in New Zealand, like, and that take me, like I had to get the, the owner of the whole New Zealand comedy festival, convince them to come and see my show in Edinburgh. And then can, they have to then take a chance on you and bring you out. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like you. And that happened with you with, with Australia though, didn't it? Yeah, Before Australia, that, uh, Australia, New Zealand, yeah. Hong Kong, they all got wiped out. Yeah. And, uh, but it, like I was lucky, was, we started doing shows down in George Reynolds with Derek Buckley. He was doing Buckley's bingo and all that crack down there. We did a few outdoor shows. Some of them were great cracks. Some of them were one of the worst things I've ever done in my life. Like, we're getting cans thrown at us. They're getting the legs bitten off us by some of the Rottweilers. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's, yeah. You know what it's like down here? Every time you go into a different block of flats, depending on what's going on that day, the vibe changes. Sometimes I've got into a rally. I was like, all right, Danny, what's the crack? And then you go in and it's like, who are you? Do you know what I mean? It depends on, you know, if you might be dressed a bit like a guard that day or I don't know. But then we did that. We did those outdoor shows. Then we did the shows in O'Reilly, the, the TV show. And then we did uh, Rings End Comedy Festival, which was, was in August. <clears throat> and then I did loads of online shows, which were really difficult, but I was still lucky to even be able to be working during COVID. Yeah. But, you know, none of us got into... Did you set up that garden gigs? Yeah, yeah. Right? So, so garden, like gigs, garden gigs is what we did, the festival. And then we did loads and loads. I think we did nearly 100 virtual gigs and did loads of charity gigs and was mad like I, I did over 100 shows in my sitting room you know what I mean and it's yeah you, you, how difficult for for getting the the content for that Danny what the, what do you do for the that the content wasn't the issue it was trying to you, you have material yeah it's trying to get material across the screen without having that human interaction so I would always nearly be talking to everyone like all right what do you do where do you yeah, live yeah. and your kids in the background and it was nearly just like a a zoom and then we do a few gags and we do a few games so we'd make people get up off their arse and go, right, first one back to um, to their chair with like a toilet roll and a butter knife wins a voucher. Because <laughs> yeah. it was just about getting yeah. people interacting with each other. And in fairness, a lot of companies just did their best. People were dressing up in Christmas gear and there was a bit of slagging and we do like little quizzes and stuff like that. And I think I think anyone who did the best they could to diversify um, got through COVID. Yeah. You know, it was traumatic for everyone. Like, and I, I genuinely think everyone in the world, not just Ireland, should have taken a week off after it all to kind of process how mad it was on everybody. Like, the Hong Kong and China are still in the thick of it. Yeah, because yeah. we all just—I think we all just went back into it too quick. It was like coming out of a really toxic relationship and getting straight into another one. Do you get yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I think everyone yeah. should have taken a bit of time, just taking a bit of time a couple of days yeah. work let it settle because when you know coming out of it we were like you ever see cattle getting let out at spring like yeah, i remember because yeah. the government gave us it was christmas i think last year when the government said that's it we're going for it you don't eat anything anymore and she like none of the pubs had had beer like there's no kegs in they announced it on a tuesday that it was full whack for the weekend and none of the shops had stock none of the shops had staff that's right so yeah I, yeah i think they could have just done a better job with gradually easing us into it a little bit you know and it's it's mad again <laughs> it's mad again and like listen our healthcare system has been an absolute like it's been a travesty since i can remember 
ever in my whole yeah, lifetime. Yeah. You know, COVID and stuff has made it worse, but that's something that just absolutely needs to be addressed and prioritized. And like the last two years has nothing to do with it. All it's done is highlighted it. It's been it's it's been it's been wrecked the whole time. Do you know what I mean? Oh, we have the most without, expensive without, children's without, hospital in the world. The world yeah, yeah. for a country of five million people and it's still not built. Without Come a doubt. On. Yeah. Absolutely. Come do you on. use stuff like that, you know? I, I try, uh, I try. In, 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 in some of your material. I try not to, to be honest with you, because yeah. like, especially when it came to COVID and all that, because people were just, ah, like, they were mentally battered by our Irish media every day for a year and a half. And people are coming to a comedy gig. I tried to give them a relief from it. You'd always mention it. Yeah, you'd always yeah. have the elephant in the room or, you'd, you know, you'd have a bit of crack and take the piss about how bad our testing was versus other countries. or But you'd make it lighthearted. You're not trying to give people PTSD yeah. over a really traumatic time. You're trying to give them a bit of escape for an hour and a half or whatever it may be, you know. I believe it down. Um, 2023, what's on the cards for you? Uh, busy all year. Uh, a few projects coming up here in um, in Ring's End. I just, just had a meeting with the wonderful Lorraine there. Um, we have two clubs in the city. So I've got the Comedy Crunch, which we've had for... That only actually started back in March of last, last year. year. Yeah, yeah. So we're delighted that we've had that back. We've had that club for 12 years, but it's a small venue. So, you know, COVID completely closed us for a long time. That's back. That's every Sunday, Monday in the Stag's Head. I've another venue in the Wild Duck, which is just beside the Olympia. Great venue. Ah, it's superb. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. And uh, yeah. plenty of heads from, from this surrounding community have been here. Even your Lord Mayor came in. Nearly had to kick him out. <laughs> <laughs> But it, that, so I have them and then I've got a tour that I'm doing at the moment called The God of All Things Bad, which I wrote in Central America. So that is going to go through Ireland and England this year. And then it's going to go to New Zealand Comedy Festival in May. Brilliant. And then I have another festival called Big Night Out Festival, which is a comedy festival I produce. That's going to Zurich, Prague and Abu Dhabi, Bahrain and uh, Dubai. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. So, you, you said that when you were in Central America, you wrote uh, yeah. the comedy Play for this one. Tell us a little bit of, of you know the process, say, of writing comedy. I, I can only write by doing. Like I've loads of comedians are like, oh, I did three hours writing today, and yeah. When people say that to me, it reminds me of the fella in school. Like, oh yeah, I did three hours studying last night. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I just like I well, listen it, to the radio. I just, think, you it, I just think it's bollocks. Like I just like for me to to, to actually write anything. Like all my material about the flats, for example. Yeah is genuinely about what happened that night. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the, the guards were called, for example, and uh, after we made the TV show, and there was a bit of, it probably wasn't essentially legal socializing at the time, given the restrictions, but we were outside, everyone was fed up. It was during the summer and they sent the guards in because I don't know how many people live in O'Reilly house, but say there was maybe a hundred people. There was obviously probably double that in bed at this stage, making a bit of noise. Absolutely fair enough, right? Yeah, yeah. So the guards were called and everyone was kind of sitting at their different tables, their family groups, do you know what I mean? Remember the way it was? And the guards came in and they sent in like five of the youngest and smallest guards I've ever seen in my life. And I'm there going, are you mental? Like, what are you thinking? Sending them into a rally, <laughs> telling everyone to go to bed. So I was just hiding behind the... I was just hiding behind the plant boxes, like looking at it, going, This is going to be carnage. And they went up to the group of like the elder women, like who are, let's face it, the bosses yeah, of all yeah, of these yeah. flats. Like they're, they are like the mafia leaders. Like it's all the grannies, you know, the collective grannies that all sit together. And the, the five guards went up to them to tell them to go to bed. And one of them just turns around and goes, uh, 
Ah, Jesus, look, girls, <laughs> the strippers are here. <laughs> and the place just erupted. And the guards just, they didn't know what to do. So they couldn't touch them because it was COVID. So they just turned around and left. And like, everyone was like ch- chanting. Uh, the guards were just humiliated walking. Now, I actually felt bad for them. But it's that kind of stuff that I love. And you can't write that stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, yeah. That's just inherently funny. And that's Dublin inner city wit in a nutshell, you know? Yeah, yeah. Tough ones, all right. Um, for anyone starting off in the game, what yeah. what advice would you give them? Gig, gig, gig and gig. And go see as many gigs as you can. And this has become a habit with a lot of newer comics now, particularly internet comics and stuff, who may have a, a, a big social media following. If you want to be a live performer, you need to do the live gigs and you need to watch the live gigs and you need to absorb the live gigs. And, you know do as many open mics as you can it's brutal but it's the same as anything musicians have to do the same if you're a carpenter you have to do the same you have to do your time you know you have to do your ten thousand hours or you know to to be hard work i suppose that's it yeah but but just work hard and like if you're into it it won't be hard work if you actually love it you want to do it whereas do you want to do it because you love comedy or do you want to do it because you want to be famous yeah and that's that's two very different things but if you work hard and you love comedy you'll end up being a good comic, you know, because you're invested in it and you'll develop your material and be a bit critical on yourself. Like, don't beat yourself up if you have a shit gig. I've had probably, I don't tens, probably, I'd say over a hundred, like, howlers in my life for various different reasons. And they're the ones that make you better. You really learn nothing from the good gigs, but I would absorb yourself in it. And as much as like Netflix and stuff is great to watch all of that, you need to find your own voice as well. Because a lot of comics watch loads of comics and then try to be them. Yeah. And the yeah. worst thing you can be is a bad version of someone else. Yeah. You have to find your own voice. And who am I? And I didn't know who I was in comedy for a long time. I was ranting what I thought, but it wasn't me as a person. And it takes a good few years to actually be yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Whereas yeah, you're not just yeah. trying to project here's my ideas and you should all laugh at them. Whereas if you kind of find your voice a bit, once you know who you are and you're comfortable with who you are, then you can start writing material as you. And that's when it kind of becomes fun. And I think just keep gigging, keep gigging, take advice. Like a lot of comics to me, even like mentors to me, like John Cleary, Carl Spain for the last decade. And I still ring them to this day. I'd be ringing after this. Listen, I've got this bit about this thing. Do you think that'll work? I go, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe try this and try this, and then I'll message him. Go, that died. That's our sorry. You know, what I mean? <laughs> you know, like that, 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 yeah, that, yeah. that's that's the fun of it, and that's the game. And there's a great thing of thinking about something in the car on the way to a gig and going, I wonder is this funny. And then you give it a go, and it, it works, and it's like, oh man, that's deadly. You know, it doesn't work all the time, <laughs> yeah, but what it does, yeah. it's it's class, and that that's for me why I love comedy because it's being able to just think of something say it and see if other people react to think it. that yeah, yeah. they get that the same way you do I suppose you know yeah have you any any ambitions for what's your ambitions for the, the I, I, have, I have to write a new show so I'm trying to get that done so I'll have to write a new show for August Um, I want to tour this one Um, I'm doing a little bit of telly in New Zealand which is going to be a bit of crack Um, and a few TV projects in the in the pipeline as well uh, and maybe a little podcast. So I'm, I'm, I'm always spinning about 50 plates. That's I, I probably need to take a few plates away, put them back in the dishwasher. <laughs> but uh, lots of exciting festivals um, and a few cool projects connected with this community in particular in this centre, which I always love doing. And I'm really grateful for one thing during COVID, I have to say, is that I never... I knew a few mates from Ring's End that I just have known for a few years, but 
I never would have connected to this community had it not been for COVID. And that's, for me, one of the positive things that's come out of it. Because yeah. then we wouldn't have done the thing in our rally house. We did a, a, a Santa bus thing where we dropped off loads of presents to all the, uh, the OAPs in the area, which was one of the highlights of the, the COVID Christmas, if you will. And then um, the Rings End Festival was, was just savage-like. And it was it, those little things for me are the things that, that I love and the things I look back in the year. You know, I love the clubs, love the gigs. Yeah. But they're, they're the memories that you look back on and go, that was, that was something that was really, really cool to be part of, you know. Well, we wish you lots of memories for 2023. Yeah. Danny, thanks a lot for coming in to us. We thanks for look me. forward to uh, seeing you us. again. You know, I know there's plenty of things at the point man down here. You so picked this ticket for <laughs> <laughs> Come and join us at our Retro Cafe, open weekdays from 10 until 2 here in the community centre. Come and check out our Karen's culinary delights. You're listening to the Community News Desk on Rick Radio. I'm joined by Brian Kirk, the Administrative Officer of Dublin City Council in the southeast area of Dublin. Um, Brian, you're very welcome to uh, the programme and thanks a lot for coming into us. Um, Shortly before Christmas, there was a, a, a public meeting here in Ringside Irish Town Community Centre uh, regarding the area all around um, the Ringside Library, um, which was for the locals and for the public. And there's plans in place to, to change that whole area and also connect it to Ringside Park. Can you just outline to us exactly what happened and where are we with the process? Yeah, thanks, Mick. It's great to have the opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, we, we did have the meeting and I suppose that was the culmination of a number of years' work on the project here. Uh, it dates back to uh, a local environment improvement plan that was done here. We started in January 2016 uh, where we spoke to the local people about uh, the Ringsend Irishtown area and, you know, what could be done to improve the environment uh, things like that and the two main uh, areas to focus on that came out of that was Library Square and Ringsend Park and they're two great amenities the library is a great amenity uh, in, in every uh, in every uh, local community as is the park and I think in Ringsend we're very lucky to have a great sports park you know with loads of sports facilities and I think like parks and libraries are the, the two remaining great free things that the the country give to the people, which I think is it's really important to promote these things. So once we once we'd adopted that plan, the, the South East Area Committee, the elected members, the councillors, adopted the local environment improvement plan in June or July two thousand and seventeen. So we, we decided we'd focus on uh, Library Square because we wanted we felt that that was uh, the most important of, of the focus areas that came up, and uh, we wanted to make that. Uh, as people indicated, a kind of a focal point for the community and for Ringsend Irishtown area. So uh, we appointed consultants, uh, Mitchell and Associates, to work with us on uh, bringing it to planning stage. And we're, after a number of years, and we're finally getting near planning stage. And I suppose the meeting that happened in December was the culmination of a number of meetings and interactions that have happened with uh, residents and businesses in the area over the last few years. And of course, COVID probably delayed us slightly to some Absolutely, degree. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think everyone uses that excuse to some degree. But I think the main thing is that we're still going with it. We're getting very near to the stage where, where we'll be lodging the plans. So I think this meeting that we had recently with the community was great because it, it, it was an opportunity for people to come and look at a pretty highly designed uh, 
plan for the for the area for the library itself the extension to the library and for the public realm uh, public square around the library and it gave them an opportunity to really focus on it and give us some feedback so we're at the moment our design team are looking at making uh, changes to that before we go out to planning and uh, I you know it's it's a very very uh, I suppose it's quite slow people might, might say but it's a very detailed uh, uh, operation in that we need to satisfy uh, a lot of uh, various departments within the city council. Uh, we also have to interact with the uh, National Transport Authority in relation to traffic and things like that. So, you know, we're getting very near to having a, a finely designed plan that we can that we can bring to planning, uh, and we'd hope to be doing that in the spring this year. Oh, so, fantastic! Yeah. That near, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I hope so. Now there, there are still like I mean, there's a number of things. Uh, I suppose if I can give you maybe a broad sweep of what's in the design without going, please, yeah, because yeah, it isn't yeah, finalized yeah. yet. But I suppose the main things in it is to uh, narrow the the carriageway from Bridge Street going around into Irish Town Road, uh, not to not to lessen the numbers of traffic on the on the road or whatever, because we know it's an important arterial route but to slow the traffic, to narrow it, to put a crossing point between the park and the square, uh, to make it more, more amenable to pedestrian movement, uh, to put in uh, proper cycle lanes as well, to, to allow for uh, cycle movement, safe cycle movement as well, uh, and also to extend the library, um, to create a, a good extension which will, which will open out the library to be a full-time library and it'll have more resources for the community going forward. It'll have exhibition space, it'll have a space for a children's library, for instance, and it'll have kind of multifunctional space that can be used and changed depending on what the library uh, needs and what the community needs. Mm -hmm. And it's potentially a, a, a public building that can be used outside of library use as well, you know, in the future for community yeah, as well. Yeah. So, so that could be really important. And then the square itself, uh, as I said, the roadway will be narrowing, so whatever bit of public open space we're losing and extending the library, we'll be gaining back public space from, from the carriageway. Uh, we'll have uh, better sight lines for traffic and for pedestrian movements. We'll have safe movements, say, for kids coming from the schools in Cambridge Road through the park to the square, hopefully using the library. Uh, as, and, and like everywhere else, I suppose, in the city, there's population growth, there's Poolbeg West, SDZ, uh, the the beginnings of development is happening there so you're going to have an increased population in the area and you're going to have a, a, a demand for services library services particularly because again it's a free service it's and it's not just about books anymore it's it's about yeah. so much more as well absolutely and yeah. in terms of events that, are, that the library services do are incredible uh, but also i think and i noticed it last so i was out here at bloomsday last year and it was one of the few days where I saw the space outside the library being really used. It was a beautiful day. Now the sun, I was down there myself. Yeah, the yeah, sun yeah. helped, I think, on the day. Yeah. But, but what we'd hope in the redesigned space, that in the future, that this space would be a, a permanently and regularly used outdoor community and event space going forward for whatever kind of event you can name. But it would be, it would be planned and... and uh, and executed in such a way that it could be amenable to use, you know, yeah. going forward by whether it be community groups, whether it be city council events or whether it be, you know, city council supported events with the community, you know, that there's real potential for a space that, you know, maybe 
doesn't get the use that it should. Yeah, you know? fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned an extension going on to it, and mm. it's a very iconic building. Yeah. As such, I think, uh, opened in 1937 um, by the Scottish architect uh, Robert Sordy, Laurie. Um, I suppose the design for that, the extension probably has to be within, you know, keeping with the way the building is at the moment. It is, which, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, te technically it's not on the record of protected structures, but our own conservation department in Dublin City Council have advised us from the outset, uh, from the outset to treat it as if it were a protected structure. Yeah. And that's what the architects that we have working on it, DMOD architects, have been working with uh, our conservation section and making sure that whatever uh, interventions that have to be made to create the extension, they're going to leave as much of the original intact. And in fact, they're going to reinstate the old entrance to the library, the stepped entrance that was taken away in, in the last design when, when they put in the universal access to the front. So it, it's going to, it's, it's, it's quite rigorously been looked at in terms of maintaining the original building. And hopefully when people see the designs, when the, when the plans are lodged and, and they're open to the public, they'll see that the original uh, library will exist within the uh, the outer coating, if you like, of the glazed extension around it. So it's going to be, it's going yeah. to be actually uh, something that people will come from afar, I think, to look at, to look at as well yeah. and yeah. to appreciate from an architectural point of view. And it'll create these, uh, these lovely light, light, a very well lit space uh, and adjacent to the, the existing library and within the existing library space. So I think it's got really, really good potential. And I think people will be very taken with it when they see the designs. And also, I suppose, Brian, we were talking earlier, saying that uh, with new best practices coming on board, kind of with environmental especially, and mm -hmm. um, there'll be changes that way too, whether yeah, that be brought into the planning yeah, process. The, like. the, one of the main things is there will be a green roof on the new library, you know, uh, and, and that obviously from, uh, from the point of view of harvesting rainwater, uh, it will mean that... Uh, rainwater will not be going into, you know, combined sewers or whatever, and there'll be a suds element to the design in the public realm as well. Uh, and again, we're working with the drainage division of Dublin City Council to, to make sure that that's right as well. Um, uh, the water table here is, is quite high. You're, you're, we're right beside the sea. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, the, these are the, this is the kind of details that we kind of have to get right before we go to planning. And, and I suppose they're... Uh, they, these are the things that add to the time frame, you know. Yeah. You know when you're talking about how long it takes to get from it from an idea to an executed plan, you know. So and that's what's in my head at the moment. Like yeah. for people who who don't understand it, you you, you talked about the planning maybe mm. coming on board in, in the spring, but yeah. like, what's it, what's the process then after yeah. that? You yeah. know. I suppose the process is different for as well. It's not like an ordinary planning application where you know where a private person or a private developer would lodge planning. When a local authority is doing works like this, it's slightly different in that, uh, like the southeast area office, we will lodge the plans with our own planning department in the city council, and the planner will make a recommendation as normal. But it doesn't get signed off by the manager as a normal plan, planning application board, or approved by the executive. It has to go before a meeting of the elected members. So the full city council uh, councillors have to vote on it. So it's very important, I think, uh, that councillors uh, buy into what we're trying to do here. And we've kept them, uh, you know, apprised of what we've been doing from the get-go. And I think it's safe to say we have good support from the, 
the five councillors in the southeast inner city ward, but also within the southeast area. Now the wider council will all vote on it at the end of the day, but uh, so you'd be talking about um, similar to kind of time frame to a private planning application about three months. Uh, you'd have a six week period when the plans are lodged. There'll be site notices up on the square, yeah. so public will know. Um, they'll have an opportunity to make a submission to the planning department within six weeks from the date of lodgement of the plans. So, and there's no fee, unlike the private ones, I think there's 20 or 25 euro fee for submitting to a, pl a private planning application. Now, there's no fee for a local authority works job. So you can just yeah. put, your, put your notes in writing. We will, we will have uh, copies of the plans in the local library as well. So people don't have to go into the civic offices to look yeah, at them. So they can look at them. They can, we probably put sheets there or they can write their own comments. Uh, the librarian there will collect them and, and pass them on to the planning department. So everyone's comments, when they get a chance to look at it, will be taken on board. Uh, the planner will make his recommendation and then it will go before the elected members to decide. So they have the final call final in this case. And there's no on board planola in these. The councillors have the final say. Final say. Yeah, that final so all, all told, maybe a all year or so? Well, all to, well, I mean, I, I hate being put oh, on the yeah, spot, yeah. you know, because you never know. No, we're, I we're understand. Not, we're yeah, not yeah. quite at, uh, yeah, at yeah. the stage where we can lodge yet. But if we were to lodge, say, by March, April this year, you'd be hoping that, you know, before the end of the year, certainly uh, October, November, the council would have voted uh, on it at that stage. And then after that, there would be a period of, even more detailed design before we'd go out to tender for construction. Yeah. And then, yeah. The, you know, there's construction of the extension to the library as well as construction of the public realm. And we also have to make sure that the traders can continue to do business during That's the right, because there is traders yeah, there on the other and, side. And, and we had a good yeah, meeting yeah. with the traders in November. Uh, and I think they were, they're, they're very supportive, I can safely say, of the project at this stage. And they understand that, you know, we're not, uh, in the business of trying to hamper their trade, if if anything, will will we are trying to bolster their trade in the longer in the longer term because we feel that you know this space for want of a better word will become a destination. Yeah, which, more, which more more so. Than it, yeah, it's yeah, a destination yeah. purely for library users yeah. now, but I think it could become a wider de uh, destination, hopefully, and, as well as being a community focal point going forward. You know? Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Brian, thanks a lot for coming into us today to tell us about it. We look forward to seeing the, yeah, the fruits of all your, your hard work. <laughs> well, and there's a lot of people like working on it, you know, design team within the council and, and a, a lot of other people involved in it. So, and, and we've had great kind of feedback. I mean, there's a great community here. There's a lot of positives to what Rings End and Irish Town are in terms of like community, uh, community action, uh, sports, They've got so much going for them that I think it's only right and proper. I'd personally love to see this completed in the next few years. You know, I think it'd be a great boom for the area, you know. We look forward to yeah. that. Thanks very much. My thanks to Brian Kirk from Dublin City Council. And just a note to say, if you're looking at doing a course, Dunleary Further Education Institute have an open day this coming Saturday, 21st of January from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. They have a media course uh, covering film, journalism, radio, and sound, and we'd love to see you here for your work experience. Don't forget to tune in to our return football podcast, Three In Your In, with Dylan and the team, which is available on our website, rick.ie now. Well, that's all from the Community News Desk this week. My thanks to Dylan and Rowan on sound and editing, 
to Leslie on admin, Jennifer on social media, and Darren on the website. For me, Mick, take care and have a great day. Thank you.